I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And like always, I am joined by my husband and co-host this morning, Josiah. How are you, my friend? Doing great this morning. Uh, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm on my second cup of coffee. It's a little chilly today, you know what? But I got my coffee in a blanket, so I am extremely happy and excited to be here. <laughs> That's so good. Well. Man, um, excited. I just want to say to our listeners, thanks for listening. Right. Thanks for subscribing, for rating, and for sharing this podcast with other leaders. It helps the message of young adults today go further, faster. And we're joined by an amazing guest. Yeah. Mike, is it all right? Tell, if us, I tell us who that is. Introduce yeah. them. Cool. Well, we're joined today on the show by Shane Pruitt. And Shane serves as the National Next Gen Director of Evangelism for the North America Mission board or NAMB. He and his wife, Cassie, reside in Rockwell, Texas with their five children, Reagan, Harper, Titus, Elliot, and Glory. He's been in ministry for over 18 years as a denominational worker, church planter, lead pastor, and student pastor. He had his bachelor's degree in biblical studies master's degree in history, and a PhD that he holds in clinical Christian counseling. And Shane is a really a passionate pioneer when it comes to next gen. He's a traveling communicator, evangelist, and Bible teacher, every year speaking to tens of thousands about the good news of Jesus. He's a popular author and blogger. Um, his website has over 3 million views on it. And his most recent book, Nine Common Lies Christian Believe, and why God's truth is infinitely better. We're going to get into all these topics and more. But Shane, thanks for joining us this morning. Hey, friends. Thank you so much for having me on. Truly honored. I love what you guys are doing. Obviously, the things you're passionate about, I'm passionate about. So what an honor to be with y'all. Well, we are so excited. What captured my eye is that PhD in clinical Christian counseling. <laughs> like That is a mouthful, but also what a privilege it is to have in this day and age and to apply to Seriously. probably everyday life, Shane. Oh my word. Yeah. But yeah. For, our listener, yeah, yeah. for our listener who maybe hasn't tuned in and maybe has never checked out who you are on your website, or maybe they're not one of the 3 million who come across you, would you be able to <laughs> right. share a little bit with the listener today? Maybe your story, the journey of life, faith, leadership, and, and family with us in the audience today? Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, grew up in Texas. That's where we currently reside. So uh, we have an office uh, outside of Atlanta, Georgia. That's where our corporate offices are. And so the North American Mission Board, somebody may go, what is that? That's kind of the national entity for the Southern Baptist Convention. So we work with over you know 50,000 churches spread across the nation, state conventions and local associations yeah. and, and all those good things. Um, but I grew up in Texas, still reside in Texas. Um, I didn't grow up in church, which sounds odd. I know being from Texas sounds <laughs> odd, you know, where most people are like God, country, and guns, but I, I didn't you know, <laughs> grow up in Texas. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't grow up in church, didn't know anything about church uh, until I was 16. My aunt was an alcoholic, and unfortunately, I was driving while intoxicated, died in a car wreck. We went to her funeral, uh, which was on a Thursday, and the following Tuesday, the pastor that uh, that preached that funeral and the deacon from his church made an unexpected house visit at our church wow. on a Tuesday night. 
uh, that kind of, oh, you know, Tuesday night visitation. Churches used to do that. And, um, and then right there in the living room of our house, uh, he showed the gospel. And both my mom and dad surrendered to Jesus right there in the living room of our house. First time I ever saw my dad cry was when I was 16 and he gave his life to Jesus. Um, and there was a radical change in them. Um, and then uh, what I call, uh, I just played church for about five years after that, uh, meaning uh, I was kind of a fan of Jesus. I repeated some prayer because they did, but I had no clue what I was doing. I uh, went to church from 16 to 21. Um, but my Trinity in high school and college was not Father, Son, Holy Spirit. My Trinity was sports and partying and chasing girls. Uh, but I still went to church every week, uh, but lived a total different life away from the building. Um, and then at 21, uh, that's when the Lord got a hold of my heart. It was a college event. Uh, there was a guy speaking by the name of Mark Job. Uh, Mark Job is the dad of Carrie Job. I know a lot of people would be familiar with her. Um, and uh, man, he just preached the word. And honestly, I don't even remember what he said. I just remember the Lord got a hold of my heart and go, hey, you made it. And I just remember this clearly. You may have repeated a prayer, but you don't know me. And I don't live inside of you. I mean, it was just like jarring. And then right there, I just surrendered all to Jesus. Uh, the Holy Spirit took over and uh, have obviously not been perfect since then. But God has changed my identity. I went from lost to found, orphan to a child of God, uh, spiritually dead to spiritually alive. And the Holy Spirit is shaping me um, every day. Well, I got saved out of a party scene. So then I started spending all the time with the pastor of the church because I knew I couldn't go back you know, to the club scene right. and all that. So, yeah. I mean, every time the church doors were open, I was there. I mean, it'd be like Tuesday morning, senior adult Bible study. And it'd be me <laughs> and like, tw it'd be like me and 12, 80 year old women. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, and uh, one day the pastor of the church, this is kind of what sent me down to the path of ministry. He just said, Hey, what are you going to do with your life? And I said, I don't know. And he goes, well, why don't you at least go to Bible college and learn the Bible? I was like, I didn't, there's a Bible college. I didn't, what's that? I had no idea Bible college. So anyway, I visited the campus. Uh, didn't see any math classes on the degree program of theology. And I was like, well, the Lord has spoken. This is what I'm supposed <laughs> to do. And so, yeah, started going to Bible college less than a year after becoming truly born again. And, uh, and then through that has some uh, professors I've always said Bible college seminary, uh, I learned a great, you know, amount of theology and doctrine and, and yeah. how to do ministry, all that. But really that was the place I was discipled because I was yeah. a brand new believer. Yeah. And then God just started opening doors, uh, to share my testimony, to teach, uh, this, this church said, Hey, we got a group of, uh, you know, junior high boys. Would you teach their Sunday school class? And uh, I was like, yeah, I didn't know that there was curriculum or Bible studies or anything like that. Whatever I learned at Bible college that week is what I would teach these seventh grade boys. I love know? it. So I'd be like, be like, all right, we're going to talk about the hypostatic union of Christ. And these seventh grade boys are just like picking their nose. They don't know what they're talking about, right? And, but, uh, but I was a sing you know, I was single, got to put a lot of time into it. That ministry just grew, grew, grew. And, uh, and then, yeah, just from that point on, I uh, became a student pastor and was a student pastor for seven years and then a teaching pastor for church, church planter, started getting invited to do a lot of itinerant ministry, traveling and speaking and preaching. Um, and then through that, got asked by the denomination to come on and, and to serve. And now uh, the role I'm in now is national next-gen director for uh, the North American Mission Board. And, and so people look back and go, well, when did you surrender to ministry? And for me, I think it was... 
whenever I got saved, I just said, yes, Lord, whatever yeah. you call me to do, the answer is yes. And I mean, and really, isn't that the only answer we can ever give God again after we surrender to Jesus for salvation? Yes. You know, like when you say yes to Jesus for salvation, that's the only answer you can ever give him again. Like, no, Lord doesn't really work. You know what I mean? Like, no, King. Yeah, that doesn't really work. So that was kind of the, the path. And then at school, uh, going to school is where I met my wife. And uh, we just celebrated our 16th wedding anniversary. And we have five kids that are 14 and under, a sixth on the way. That is a prayer request. <laughs> Praise yes. the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, so, <laughs> yeah. Shane, that's amazing, and congrats on 16 years. Yes. That is oh, incredible. Soon to be six kids, and if I understand it from our conversations on the phone, you mentioned that your wife leads the um, adoption ministry at your local church, as well as like your family just oh. has a passion for adoption. Can you like talk about that process? And obviously, at the time of recording this, our nation is still in the midst of coronavirus pandemic, and that is probably a, a hurdle or hiccup mm -hmm. in the process of adoption, but can you just go there for a second? Yeah, I mean, here, here's the deal. Here's what I realized very quickly, and uh, and Joseph, you may be able to identify with this. I'm married way, way, way over my head. Praise God. Right? So, yes. <laughs> yeah, yep. I'll just We're smart that, men. Right? Yeah. Yep. yeah, no doubt. No doubt. It's a picture of God's grace for sure. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Casey, literally, I mean, she's my hero. Um, she's an amazing woman. Like God called her to ministry, uh, before we ever met, you know, like, so she serves in ministry and, uh, we're, uh, our home church is Lake Point Church. And so we have, uh, seven campuses and, and, uh, she's the adoption foster care ministry coordinator for the church. So she works with all seven campuses. That's a big ministry of our church, uh, as well as, yeah, being a, a mama bear to, five and, and almost six kids on the way and and uh and then putting up you know with my crazy schedule and it is a zoo it is the Pruitt family zoo and she is a remarkable woman and uh man I learn from her every day and uh she's my best friend and we laugh and have a ton of fun we don't take ourselves too seriously yet so yeah she's an amazing woman for sure that's incredible and Shane like Aside from being a father and all the roles that you play, you are also an author. God has given you the creativity to take uh, things that he's downloaded to your heart, soul, and mind, put them on paper, get them on the shelves, and get those books in the hands of people. And one of those books that you've most recently written, if I am correct, is Nine Lies Christians Believe. Mm -hmm. Oh gosh, I think we believe enough lies, but let alone honing yeah. in on those nine. Can you share with us one of those lies that you touch on in the book with our audience and with us today? Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, love that book. Just uh, launched out, you know, a little over a year ago. I partnered with the publishers Waterbrook Multnomah, which is the Christian division of Penguin Random House. And uh, the big vision of the book is there, like you said, there's these kind of cultural cliches, these kind of common one-liners that we as the church, for lack of a better term, have adopted into our faith, baptized them, and made them a part of our vernacular that aren't necessarily scripturally true. You know, statements like, follow your heart, uh, believe in yourself, uh, God won't give you more than you can handle, uh, if a loved one dies, God gains another angel, uh, God just wants me to be happy, you know, and so uh, all those things. And typically what we do is we share those as sentiments with others who are struggling because someone once shared them with us or they sounded nice or we saw them on a t-shirt with like glitter, you know? And so, 
Um, and, I mean, if you think about it, we often share those with people who are struggling, right? You don't say God won't give you more than you can handle to someone who's having the best day of their life. Usually you share it with someone who's going through a dark night of the soul. Um, and so, you know, here's the deal. It's like, here's what we know is what's going to get us through difficult seasons is not some little cultural cliche that's not biblically true. It's God's holy word yep. that's going to get us through those, you know, dark nights of the soul. And so each chapter takes one of those kind of cliches. And then what does the Bible say about that particular topic, but a better truth to move forward with. So we were like truth better than cliches, you know, um, I would say like somebody go, Oh, well, you know, what is, your favorite one to talk about or which one's most important, you know, gosh, I think they all are. It's kind of like asking which one's your, your kids is your favorite. And like, well, it depends on the day. Sometimes it depends on the minute, you know, but uh, I would say, you know, like 2020, you know, of like, um, I think all the things were going on in 2020, probably one of the ones you hear the most is God won't give you more than you can handle. Um, you know, and I think in that mindset, it really doesn't relieve depression and anxiety, I think it adds to that. Because if you take that statement, literally, God won't give you more than you can handle. It's still on you, right? It's still right. on your shoulders, you know? And if it was about what you could handle, then we really wouldn't need God, you know? Exactly. And at the end of the day, everything's more than we can handle. I mean, 2020 is more than we can handle, you know? Um, you know, uh, you know. I don't endorse this show, but a, a pastor friend, this came from a lead pastor, sent me a meme the other day that was like, who knew that Tiger King would be the most normal thing of 2020, right? This is like a crazy, <laughs> absolute nutso year, right? Yeah. And so we look at it and go, it's more than we can handle. Like everything is more than we can handle. Uh, without oxygen, breathing is more than we can handle. Uh, you know, being alive is more than we can handle. And so really the truth that the Bible teaches is that we need faith. Uh, we're desperate for a God that's bigger than us. Everything's more than you can handle. But here's the good news, that if you've been bought with the blood of Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you, God's never going to give you more than he can handle through you. Because really it's about what he can handle. And here's the good news. He's exceedingly abundantly. He's made us more than conquerors. Uh, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, but it's all him and what he can do through us. So every day, that's really the, the surrender. God, it's not about what I can handle. It's about what you can handle. Um, because my job is not to take on the world. My job is to trust the one who made the world. You know. Yeah. Exactly. So good. And you know, I think that you hit on these lies and something that young people in our world today are starving for is truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And people aren't necessarily looking for a Hallmark card greeting. They're, <laughs> yeah. they're sick of maybe even tweetable phrases. Yeah. What they want is substance. They've had enough hype and they're really desperate for a hunger. Mm -hmm. And I think that leads us perfectly into the next segment or section, Shane. And I know that a shared passion that you have, that Micah and I have, and so do a lot of our listeners, tuning into this podcast is that of the next generation of college students, of young adults, and really leaning into the demographic of maybe the most researched generation in America, but the, the least reached generation, and that's millennials and now Generation Z of 18 to 30-year-olds. And mm -hmm. you have been really given and, and asked to serve in a very unique role, which comes with a a vantage point of reaching the next generation of the church. And can you talk, Shane, about what you're learning about college students and young adults in your travels? Yeah. Oh, man. 
I mean, you're so right. I mean, when you look at the church as a whole, that is the largest missing demographic in most churches. You know, even churches that maybe have a lot of kids or a lot of teenagers, uh, you'll see that. And then it kind of jumps to the like, you know, mid thirties to forties and up, but that kind of 18 to 30, 35 group is Mm -hmm. largely missing um, in church, you know, and I, and I think there's so many reasons why. Yeah. I mean, all the things from, I think you're seeing in, in young millennials and older generations, they're truly the product of a post-Christian culture. Um, They're kind of a post-Christian generation. Um, According to wall street journal, um, that did a poll back in November, uh, less than 30% said that r- religion is important to them. Not even Christianity, just religion, period, uh, mm-hmm. is important or a vital part of their life. If that's true, they truly are the least religious generation we've ever seen. But then it goes back to kind of a little bit what we talked about a while ago. That's right. You, it's a good segue. In that same article, it said over 80% says living a self-fulfilled life is very important to them. And so if you think about it, I, and I don't think we talk about this a whole lot. So yes, least religious generation, post-Christian generation, but on some level, they're also a self-help generation because <laughs> that's what they've been taught their whole life in public school, family, the greeting cards, uh, the t-shirts, the tweetable things. It's a lot of self-help. You go into any bookstore, one of the largest section is self-help. You look at New York Times bestseller lists, a lot of self-help, right? But here's what I found, especially with young millennials and older Gen Z, is they're coming to the end of that. And I think they're finding that there's not a lot there. And I think that's where we can like really reach young adults is that's the threshold to cross with the gospel when over 80% says living a self-fulfilled life is very important to them to go, hey, God wants you to live a fulfilled life, but it's going to come from someone outside of yourself. Um, and I think with the brokenness of the world, 2020s just highlighted that. I mean, the world wasn't broken uh, since 2020. The world was broken since the fall in the garden. We know that. Yeah. But 2020 has shined a lot of light on it. Um, and I think people are coming to the end of themselves. And so I would encourage like, hey, here's the time where young adults stick to the gospel, stick to the word, stick to truth, uh, mm-hmm. do it with kindness and love. Um, and here's where I've really been encouraged pastors and next gen leaders. Like if young adults come into our ministries or come into our services and all they hear are like basically self-help messages with Bible verses sprinkled out of context, uh, then it just sounds like white noise because it doesn't sound any different than what they hear everywhere else. Yeah. But when they come in and in love and in kindness and not like raging, I'm talking about love and kindness, but with boldness, preaching like, hey, the world's broken. We're broken. Um, you know, uh, we're, we're called to not like believe in ourselves, but to believe in someone bigger than ourselves. But there's one who loves you, is bigger than yourself, and he wants you to live a fulfilled life that's going to come from him. Then people are like, wait a minute, that's different. That's completely different than I hear everywhere else. Right. And I think that's attractive. Whether, what, and what I found is they may not agree with you. And they may not agree with you for a very long time, but what you're saying is completely different than they hear everywhere else. And so it doesn't get drowned out. It's Mm kind of like a megaphone and they're at least going to dialogue with you. That's what I found, you know? Yeah. Well, and just to follow that up, something you said a few minutes ago, Shane was like, you're pastor, you're like 21 years old, you you get saved and then Mm -hmm. you find Jesus, you meet him personally. And your pastor was like, what are you going to do with your life? 
Yeah. And by the sounds of it, that one question had never maybe been posed to you. Like you might not have considered yeah. it. And I think that an opportunity that, that, that highlights is as spiritual leaders, we have the opportunity to ask good questions. And I think Micah demonstrates that really well with one-on-one -on -one mentoring or discipleship of asking really pointed laser focused questions that can yep. maybe not demand or come in and answer in the moment, but really call for reflection and call for like just deeply introspection and, and evaluating what do I want in life? What am I going to do in life? And, and like, who is Jesus? And, and what, how does this impact my life? Well, I think so many young adults are aimlessly wandering and then they begin to wonder and then mm -hmm. they start digging into things that they should have never found themselves in or they should have never started participating in or if it's a relationship or a, a career or I mean, it can be a multitude of things, traveling the world and still not finding what they want to call inner peace and stuff like that. So yep. to be leaders that ask true, inquisitive probing questions, I think is probably one of my favorite things of like, not, oh, hey, how's the weather? It's like, hey, how's your soul? How are your family yeah. dynamics yeah. going? You're 22 and you're still living with your parents. Tell me about that. When are you going to move out? Do you have anything planned? And I think what's more or less exposed, and I think Shane, you, you gradually hit on it is when young adults and even ourselves, just I and myself, when we find that we've reached the end of ourselves, totally. that yep. is when Christ begins. When we let mm -hmm. go of a project that we've been holding on to and writing our name on it and saying, I, me, we, you, it's saying, oh, but it should be saying, but God, but God, yeah. Lord, what are yeah. you going to do? And taking that burden off our shoulders of something that he may have spoken to us, but may not have told us to run with yet or to pray into. So when we reach the end of ourselves, I think is when Christ truly re begins to reveal himself because we as the person recognize that we're not God and there is something greater than us out there. And many of our listeners, uh, Pastor Shane, are individuals who are um, young adults themselves, leading young adults. And some of our listeners are actually lead pastors. Exactly. So I would ask you, um, if you could say something encouraging to the lead pastor of a church who's listening today and they have a willing heart and they want to be an open vessel and they want to invest in young adults and young adult ministry that maybe their church does not have currently, what do you say about that? Or how should they begin as the lead, maybe sharing that dream, passion or drive from the stage? Yeah, I love that. Great question. Um, and yeah, real quick to just kind of highlight and piggyback off this, something you said is so true with young adults is uh, another thing I've seen, they're agenda weary, uh, they're propaganda weary, uh, they're brokenness aware. And so I feel like just hitting straight to the topics and the issues they're dealing with um, and just going straight to it, uh, I feel like is uh, a win for them. Like they love that. They rally around that. You know, uh, I think of some of the best preaching compliments I get come from young adults or college students and sometimes even high school students. I think of, you know, an event I was at not too long ago and it, uh, a girl comes up and she was all like, and this is a very young adult. And I mean, young adult, like, like, like late high school, she's about to go into college. She's going to high school. And even she goes, Hey Shane, thanks for just preaching the truth and not telling a bunch of goofy stories the whole time. And I was like, Whoa, like, if you think about that, that's where we kind of get a bad rap as like next gen communicators is we'll start with a verse and then just tell stories for 40 minutes and they're looking for answers. And here's the deal is like, 
they may not even agree with the answer you say, or they may not even agree with the truth you're proclaiming, but they have a respect that you have a truth that you're holding on to. You know what I mean? I feel like there's a respect of that. And they're so uh, agenda weary and, and propaganda weary, you know? And so, yeah, with the lead pastor, I would just say, um, start with one. You know, I think a lot of times pastors look around and go, man, I don't have anybody in that age demographic in my church, or we just have a few. And I would just say, start with one. Um, there really is power in one who is just one young adult that you can invest in, pour into, so share the gospel with, disciple, um, mentor, whatever that looks like. Um, because here's also what I know is like congregations and ministries are never going to do the things they don't see their leaders doing. Right. And so if we want a church that cares about young adults, then the pastor and the staff and the leaders have to care about young adults. And I mean, beyond just verbally saying it, mm -hmm. um, and I'm saying even beyond just putting on events, I'm saying in their life, investing young adults in your life. Um, and there's just such like beauty there, you know, like, and I also uh, encourage people with this is maybe you're even an older listener that listens to this and figures out, you know, is trying to figure out the young adults. And so you're an older listener. I just want to encourage you with this is Gen Z and young millennials really are not ages. Uh, a lot of times we think uh, to connect the young adults and we got to find somebody that's like their age or a little older. That's kind of cool that will, you know, really attract young adults. I would say they're not ages. They just want you to be real. You know, and so like the guy who reached me with the gospel was in his late 60s, but he was real. And we were so different. Like I came out of a party life. He literally had never drank a drop of alcohol in his life. Uh, you know, I'm a I'm a jeans and, and sneakers guy. I'm a sneakerhead. Like that dude like wore doctors every day of his life. You know, I think he <laughs> mowed his yard in his doctors. I think he went to bed in his doctors, woke up in his doctors. Like we could not be any different. Like, you know what I mean? But he loved me and the common ground was the gospel and he took time for me. And so I just want to encourage you, like maybe you're 60 listening to this or 70, yeah. like, Hey, you'd never retire from this. You just graduate one day. So if you're still breathing we still need you, Titus chapter two is still relevant today. Yes. Older men take the younger men, older women take the younger women. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to encourage you that start with one and then uh hey you never retire from this like if you're still breathing we still need you reaching the next right. generation yeah i think that's so good shane the idea that really what we've seen a lot of is college students love grandparents Young yeah yeah home-cooked meal they love just hearing stories the idea of narrative is very yep. sticky and and relates and allows really two souls to experience life together and and have different touch points and then for the sneaker heads listening Shane what is your favorite shoe or what what are you rocking currently oh man of course I love Jordans you know uh I would say Jordans but they're not very comfortable LeBron's are actually more comfortable the Russell Westbrook's why not so the most comfortable shoes there are but my favorite probably shoes to wear right now are uh, some Jordan 8s throwback but they're like got a different colorway they're extremely bright like blues and pinks and yellows but like highlighter colors you know what I mean but yeah now yeah I just sound like a dork with all this but I'm just saying that those are my favorite ones to rock right now which is out of my character because I'm usually a muted color guy I'm usually the blacks and the grays and the dark colors and these are super bright shoes so when i wear them the in my and people that really know me they're like we can't believe you're wearing those shoes <laughs> like, I know. yeah 
So there, there is definitely a huge um, overlap. There's a lot of pastors, believe it or not. Like, look at the preachers and sneakers movement. Yeah. Shout out to yeah. you guys who are preachers yeah. and sneakers because there's definitely people who are like the Dockers type and, and they're getting their um, shoes at Payless or Kohl's and rocking them. And then there's people that are like yeah. waiting in line at 8 a.m. for the new release. <laughs> so there's room in the kingdom of God for both. I, I, amen, brother. Hey, and I would say this, you know, I try to convince my wife of that. Like, this is a ministry expense. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I will say this. I will say this, like, especially with young dudes, uh, my shoes strike up conversations with strangers all the time, especially with like young adult guys, college student guys, high school guys, like in the airport and target, you know, like at an event, like it's an immediate like conversation starters because guys who like sneakers notice other sneakers, you know what I mean? And so there's been a lot of conversation started uh, because of those shoes. And so I, I constantly try to convince my wife that I'm like, babe, I know these are expensive, but it's for the kingdom, you know? <laughs> Yeah. sacrifice for the savior here with yeah food. man you know yeah you um, can't put a dollar bill on somebody's soul you know true true <laughs> yeah. oh man it's like those sleeves all those guys want with the tattoos and like you know these are conversational starters yeah that's right, i'm just yeah. like but does that sleeve keep you warm ever no it's about three grand that you have from here oh it's about that's here <laughs> that's true that's true yeah so, I mean, I look at just also, um, Shane, one of the things that we see a lot of churches that are really leaning into the gap, and there's a lot of uh, pastors and volunteer leaders standing in the gap um, with the idea of handoff and transition from maybe yeah. junior high into high school, high school into college, college years into campus ministry or campus ministry mm-hmm. into young adults at the local church. And then you know, can you just talk about how churches can maybe grow or emphasize the the prioritization of mm-hmm. doing transitions well and handing the baton off well? That's yeah, that's so good. Yeah, I love this question. In fact, Jesse, I think you and I even got into this conversation on a phone call the other day. It was day deep. Before I know it. Dude, we were like talking forever, man. It was like, like I put yeah. a quarter in you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know, man. You you don't want a preacher to start preaching because then he doesn't stop, you know. Um, and so, yeah, goodness gracious. All right, so let's just kind of like start at the foundation of age-specific ministries. Let me just say this: I believe in age-specific ministries. Obviously, I'm a next-gen director for a, a denomination, so obviously, I believe in age-specific ministries. However, I think when we only do age-specific ministries. Right we cut our discipleship legs out from under us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we limit the power of the church as a whole. Meaning this, like if we're always like, all right, all the kids go over here, all the teenagers, you go over here, all the college students, you go over here, all the young singles, you go over here, all the young marriage, you go here, all the young marriage with kids, you go over here, all the empty nesters, you know, and then we don't say senior adults anymore. Uh, boomers don't like that, you know, so we say classics, right? So all the classics, you go over here. Um, and so, um, now here's the deal. All right. Here's the deal is I believe in that. I think there's times and seasons for, uh, that. And I think that's powerful. I think that's a great tool for the church. However, I think we also have to be very creative. How do we yeah. bring all the generations together and do multi-generational ministry? And so I always tell college, uh, college ministries, student ministries, young adult ministries, like, Hey, okay. Yeah. Maybe you do some mission 
uh, things in your community and uh, some mission trips internationally, whatever, with just college students. But find a way uh, to do some mission service projects, some on-missional living, uh, some mission trips, and invite the classics to go with you. Invite you know, uh, those adults to go with you. And like, I think the more we integrate multi-generational ministries, the better the transitions go. Um, we know this from, from studies and polls from Barna, Lifeway students, all those, that the more relationships uh, a person has in the church, the smoother those transitions go and they don't fall through the cracks. Right. And so what I always say is like, one of the worst things we can do is run student ministries or especially like college ministries. Those typically are the two. Uh, when we run them like churches within churches, exactly. I think we're setting ourselves up for, for failure in the long run. And let me explain why. Like, let's take a student ministry. Like, say, when the 18-year-old graduates out of student ministry, if that student ministry was ran like a church within a church, then when that 18-year-old graduates out of student ministry, it's almost like they have to go join a new church mm -hmm. at the same address, right? Yeah. Even though it's in the same building, they're joining a new church where they don't have any relationships. They don't really know the pastor. They don't know the vision. They don't know the heartbeat. They haven't been serving. So they're trying to find their place to serve. Um, when we can like mesh those and, and bridge those and almost, I think it's done well when transitions take place where you don't even realize a transition took place. Right. And so what I mean, like when you go, okay, somebody just graduated out of the high school into the college ministry but that person already has relationship with college students. Yeah. They already have relationships mm -hmm. with 60s and 70 year olds. They're already serving in the church. Some of my favorite local churches to preach in is when you walk up and you're walking in and there's the 16 year old next to the 60 year old yeah. greeting people sure. at the door. There's the college student with the 40 year old and the 70 year old in the sound booth. The stage has teenagers, college students, young adults, and senior adults all leading in worship. Uh, you know, if they pass the offering plate, there's the college student alongside the 30-year-old, the alongside the 50-year-old, alongside the 80-year-old. Uh, when they're doing uh, ministries in the communities, they're all serving together. Uh, is there ways to do some multi-generational small groups? You know, um, I think all those things. I think any way that we can practice Titus chapter 2, and make that a reality in our church, uh, then it only helps all of those transitions. You know what I mean? Now, some people are lost in transition because they move, right? If someone graduates out of the college ministry and then they get a job in another state or another community, those are all things where, hey, God moves a sheep all the time. And we're okay with that. But I'm saying when they stay in the area and then they fall through the cracks because there's right. such big gaps in our transition um, ministries, then we got to figure out a way to make those bleed more together. Yeah. I just love what you said, Shane, about yeah. I picture walking into a church like that I grew up in and there is a 16 year old next to the 60 year old mm -hmm. and they're the door holders, yeah. and it is yep. very intergenerational and it kind of reminds me of Thanksgiving. You got every age and every mm -hmm. stage represented and, and that's really a picture of the kingdom of God. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and I think, you know, exactly what you're saying, Josiah, is, and when, I would say this, especially with young adults and college students and high school students, when you don't give them a place at the table, you know, like, what I mean, like, at the end of the day, meaning this, like, just that, just like Thanksgiving, like, remember when you were the college student, and you still had to sit at the kid's table, you know, like, yeah, it was you and your 20, 10 year old because cousins. I wasn't married yet, at age 20. Yeah, right, right, married. and you're Come with on, the people. 10, your 10-year-old cousins, right, you're like, <laughs> 
And so like on some level, if you think about it, we do the same thing at church. We're like, all right, hey, all you young people, you sit over there and wait your turn to get to, you know, and I think here's what we know, especially with Gen Z and young millennials is they really don't want to be the future of the church. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. We always tell them they're the future of the church. And I, I know what we mean about that, about that future leaders, influencers, sure. But if you think about it, according to the New Testament, if you've been bought with the blood of Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit of God, you are not the future of the church. You're the church right now. Yes. Even if you're 14, even if you're 16 or 21, you're the church right now. You have the great commission on your life now, the great commandment on your life now. You're called to be the church now. And if you think about it, people are like, you know, go, oh, well, we got generation problems. No, we got discipleship problems. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because if you think about it, everywhere in the world, young people are doing extraordinary things Uh, the 14 year olds creating their own brand on social media the 16 year olds operating motor vehicles the 17 year olds in the workforce 18 year olds are holding automatic weapons serving in our military around the world protecting our freedoms like if they can do that they can serve in the local church we don't have a generation problem we have a discipleship problem so give them an opportunity and will they fail yes will they mess up yes will they make mistakes yes but that's what the grace of God's all about. And that's what discipleship's all about is learning through those, you know? Yeah. Jane, I think that's an awesome way of illustrating that and providing an opportunity for people to succeed, to fail and to be discipled in that process. Yeah. Because yeah. us, even as a discipler, quote unquote, we're not perfect. We're still learning. We should still have people above us that we're learning from as well as grabbing the hands of the people that are younger to help raise them up to, to be functioning in the local church currently, not 40 years from now when they've been disconnected and they're like, there's, there's no heart for the Lord. There's no heart for people. There's no heart for anything. And I think one gap that we see, Josiah and myself, when we served as young adult pastors is the youth. Like once they turned 18, it's like one of two things churches kind of do in the Midwest is like you're 18 and you're kicked out of the young adult ministry for a year. Then you can come back and serve or they stay connected, which is both helpful and hurtful because Mm -hmm. I say that because they feel rejected from the last 18 years, 18 years of their investment. And then they're not necessarily handed off to the young adult ministry. Well, and then if they are able to stay, it prevents them from growing and causes maturity problems, or they start functioning as an eight year old and they're working with their friends who are 17. So they're like, you're trying to give them an opportunity for leadership and discipleship and a little bit of authority or responsibility. And they're just like, I'm just here to have fun. Like I did every other Wednesday night, you know? Right. So one fun thing that we did, even for the listener, if you're looking on how to try to integrate exactly what Shane is saying, those senior high high schoolers or those seniors um, in high school, we would invite them to our young adult group, like the last semester. So the last four or six Mm -hmm. months of their school to say, Hey, come meet some young adults. And obviously you need to be mindful of ages. And if you're 18, 17, whatever, be mindful of that. But that really seemed to help people migrate in and acclimate versus like, here's the cutoff now move on. And same, I love thing, that. and same thing when I led the women of young adult ministry, they're like 27, like, Micah, I only have three years left. Like, what do we do? And I was like, Hey, this is what we're going to do for the next 12 weeks. We as 20 women are actually going to join the women's group on a Wednesday night in the church with 70 other women. So now there's 90 of us in a room and you're going to sit at a table that there's going to be gray haired ladies and you're going to learn how to function and how to communicate and how to respect and how to learn from people outside of 
me outside of Josiah, outside of the, you know, people our age. And that was always so fun to see. And there's students still meeting with those people who become their mentors. They're like, hey, prayer warriors, they've just seen so many amazing things happen. So we love to mix things up. So we would do something in addition to that is mixers. So we would team up with our 55 plus, we'll call them the silver sneakers, huh? Yeah. The yeah. 55 plus. That's actually a term from the, the yeah. fitness world. But yeah. <laughs> so we would meet with them and just serve them lunch or have lunch with them okay. after church service. And to see those relationships continue was so much fun. Very rewarding. And that's what I think that you were touching on, Shane. It's exactly what God's heartbeat is, is for everybody to do life and to live life together. And age is not a factor. It's it's what are we going to do and how are we going to link arms and just do what God's called us to do. So I love it. I love that. That's super practical. And, you know, one thing I want to just say in this time, I love what you shared, Micah is I would say, um, especially to the younger listener, you know, the young adult, maybe the college student, high school student that's listening, is that um, don't put all the pressure on the older people to reach out to you. And what I mean by that, typically in our mindset, if we're younger, we think it's the responsibility of older people to reach out to us to build that graph. Mm -hmm. Is the responsibility theirs? Yes, but it's also our responsibility too. And, And there's just something I read from John Maxwell years ago that I never forgot that I think should apply to young adults right now, make it a reality in your life now, is he said everyone should have at least three people in their life, major people. Mm -hmm. Everyone needs a Paul, somebody pouring into them. Everyone needs a Timothy, someone you're pouring into. And then everybody needs a Barnabas, someone right beside you that's encouraging you along the way. And I'd say even high school students and, and college students and young adults need that in their life. So if think about right now, Okay, think about those three. Do you have all those three in your mm-hmm. life, or is one of those missing? And then do some work to try to make one of you know make that spot filled. You know, and so I think uh, typically most people are either missing Pauls or Timothys. We have a ton of Barnabases, you know, right? Um, and then some of us have a ton of Job's friends that we're trying to avoid. You know, <laughs> Job's friends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's but, tax team, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, 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 but uh, but you know, think about you know some of us are going. Well, I don't have anybody mentoring me. Uh, or they're like, I don't have anybody I'm mentoring. And I think I think the most well-rounded follower of Jesus always has those three people in their life. You know? yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think Jesus liked to mix it up. So he had the Paul, the Timothy, and the Barnabas. And Shane, are you ready to mix it up today? Oh, come on. Come are on. you ready? Yeah, let's do it. We let's do it. I, I think I'm ready. I don't know. Oh. I don't know. I think. You better be stretching, all right? All right. (laughs) So we've come to the part of our episode where we get to ask you five in five. It's five final thoughts, five minutes, five questions. Are you up for the challenge? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. I'm a talker. I got to keep them in in time. That's going to be the hardest thing. All right, here we go. All right. You're up. And by the way, I have the master mute button now, um, so I could mute you if you go over. It's like the Oscars. The music's going to start, you know, like if I go past. Yeah. We're going to dim the lights. No, I, fade. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. as we get started with question one, like Shane, if you could define or describe yourself in three words, they can actually be from any language, but if you could describe yourself <laughs> from any, any three words, what words would you choose? Yeah, I'm going to stick to English because I can barely speak that. I mainly speak Texan. All right. So uh, let's do uh all right, desperate, convinced, and 
family man. And that's one because I put a uh, like a high hyphen. hyphen. All right. Yes. So, yeah. So desperate, desperate because not becoming a Christian until I was 21, I know what I'm like without Jesus. Right. I'm wow. desperate for him. Uh, number two, convinced. Uh, I, I, that would be one of the greatest compliments where someone looks and go, I don't believe that what he believes, but I'm convinced he believes what he believes. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be so passionate. And, and then family, man, like I want everything I do in ministry to be from the overflow of that ministry. That is awesome. All right, Shane, question number two. Are there any words that you or your family live by? Uh, yeah, okay. All right, so this is kind of two-pronged. Our family verse is Psalm, 40, uh, Psalm 34, 3. Oh, come worship the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name together. That was on our wedding cake. That's in our house. Wow. That's our family verse. So exalt the Lord with me. Let's worship his name together. Um, but then the statement that I live by personally in ministry and life is this statement. Uh, that I just picked up years ago, and I've just never forgot. It's in my Bible. Jesus is a better Savior than I am sinner. And that is just a good reminder. Like, I fail every day, but Jesus is better at saving than I am sinning. And then that is my angst of sharing the gospel. Because there's people out there that think they're beyond redemption. They think they've messed up too much. And Jesus is a better Savior than we are sinner. That will I got goosebumps. All right. (laughs) So number three, Shane, is the curveball of this segment. And it's if you could ask Mike and I any question, what would you ask us? I love it. I love your passion for young adults. You guys are in the north. You know what I mean? So on some level, you're on the front lines of the all these things we're talking about. Like I'm still in the south. It's not really Bible Belt. The South really is changing. If you spend any time in the South, it really is. Mm. But you guys are on the front line. So you tell me, what do you think? uh, We're the young adults right now on the front lines of evangelical efforts. You guys are on the front lines up there. Yeah. I mean, I think of this. I was just praying, and I felt like God shifted, like flipped the script for me. I think so many pastors, leaders, churches, myself included, have asked the question for over a decade, why are young adults leaving the church? Yeah. And I was going up an escalator and I, I saw a crowd of people and I felt like he showed me why would these people want to go to mm-hmm. church? Mm-hmm. What yeah. would it like they'd come for maybe Easter, maybe Christmas, maybe they'd mm-hmm. come for a wedding or a funeral that would bring them into a church building. And I was like, have we given people something that's worth dying for something that's Mm. worth living for have we um have we maybe just shallowed it out or or watered it down and so i think that that's the first thing is just approach Mm -hmm. and then i look at the rally cry of college students and young adults that we're interacting with is what about us Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they feel like they're overlooked maybe neglected abandoned or um controlled by parents or right and and so yeah Yeah. i can say like their rally cry really as a generation is what about us and Mm -hmm. they're ready everywhere else you mentioned it they can lead in society they can lead in the political sphere in the military in the marketplace and then when it comes to church or ministry they're like what about us Mm -hmm. so i think people are dying for an opportunity that's worth living for yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. so good. And I would yeah, kind of piggyback off of that. I remember being single and asking the question to everybody I came in contact with. I'm like, where are all the godly men? Like, where are mm-hmm. all the men? Yeah. And I think the question now is obviously we're married and I have a husband. It's just like people are asking, where are all the young adults? 
And yeah. I think the young adults are actually responding with, I'm right here. Yeah. I think sometimes we, we focus so much on the people in the seats or the people not in the seats. We see the empty seats when mm. we're on the stage. We're like, that's a good word. 50 yeah. empty seats. Like, where are the people? And they're like, what about the 200 of us? We're right here. Right you here, know? yeah. And I think that's yeah. one thing that we need to be reminded as leaders or pastors or influencers or whatever position God has given you, even in the marketplace, is to know that people are crying out and people are dying every day, not knowing where they're going, not knowing what their purpose yep. is. And they're slowly, de- they're in a moral um, decay constantly. Right. And they're wondering who cares about me, who sees me, mm-hmm. who actually knows me. And I think we as leaders are like, we're all the young adults. And they're like, I'm right here. Like if you stop so past me and start looking into my eyes, you will see Amen. that my soul is in turmoil and that nobody has ever spoken to. Um, I love that truth into my life. So I think one thing Josiah and I've been praying, um, like we want to be people that are known for calling a generation out in love and up in truth. So I'm going to call you out and I'm going to call you up and I'm going to say, Hey, young adult woman, like God sees you and he knows you, you know, that you shouldn't be sleeping around. You know, you shouldn't be in this relationship. You know, this life that you're living is you're telling me is ultimately not fulfilling. Here's what I can say. There's a God in heaven, which means I'm going to call you. There's a God in heaven who loves you, who sees you, who knows you, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And those may all sound like creation or uh, create things as I'm saying them right now. But for somebody who has never heard those words, Words, right and never yeah. had a parent speak life over them or speak a prayer blessing over them speaks beyond you can possibly imagine to the soul yeah so that's what so i would good. say that i'm recognizing is they're saying i'm right here like hello like we're I here love <laughs> i love that micah hey i am totally using that you know, and, and, you know, I think the rule is I'll give you credit to like, you know, the first three or five times. And then after that, it becomes my own, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, like I always say, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, hey, but, but Mike, what you're saying is so spot on you too, Josiah, when you honestly, when you look at across the nation, I think the default mechanism for churches to reach young adults, they want to lower the bar. It's right. actually the churches that raise the bar that young adults flock to. Yeah. When you look around and go, there are some ministries that young adults are flocking to. I think here in, you know, in Texas, when you think of the village church or like Matt Chandler or Austin Stone or, or Watermark and the porch and that ministry where Jonathan Paluto is at JP, you know, those are ministries, but they didn't, you, if you listen to them preach, if you're around, they don't lower the bar. They raise the bar of expectation on their young adults and young adults flock to that, you know? Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Well, and Shane, back to you, question four is, would you be willing to share maybe a mistake that you made along the way of your journey in ministry that you learned from, that God taught you something in the process that maybe might be a, um, just a word of wisdom or insight for a young leader listening? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm a recovering uh, people pleaser, you know, and <laughs> is that okay? Have you seen yeah. that me? I'm a covering people pleaser. Is that okay? <laughs> you know, so yeah, no, but seriously, uh, yeah, especially serving in the local church as a pastor, teaching pastor, youth pastor, I was constantly just almost enslaved by being a people pleaser and a people chaser. Like mm-hmm. if someone like left our ministry to go to another ministry. I would take it like so personal, like so like debilitating personal. And listen, I'm not saying we shouldn't chase sheep when they wonder. I'm not saying we shouldn't like, 
I'm not saying we get a permission to be a jerk on some level. We should be people pleasers and people, but I'm saying it was like over the top, like, and then I found myself sometimes compromising what I know God had called me to do as a leader because I did not want to upset people. And I think God's recovered me in that, made a ton of mistakes on that. And then one practical mistake in ministry I made uh, that was reflective on uh, that really translation to a marriage mistake is that when uh, Casey and I were newly married for about two years, there was this church that came after me hard when I was a youth pastor to be a senior pastor. I went and preached for him, filled the pulpit, God moved. We saw all these people get saved. And it was, I was just caught up in the emotion. And the, the team approached me about, like, we know you're our pastor. And I accepted the call to be their pastor, then went home and told my wife. What? And she's like, no, like, no, God's got to speak to both of us. And I'm like, oh, you're right. So you know how embarrassing that was to go back with your tail between your legs to tell this church, listen, I jumped the gun, the Holy Spirit, by wife everything um and so yeah that was an early on mistake in ministry where i accepted the call to pastor a church without talking to my wife yeah don't ever 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 do that all right there you go. just kidding honey we're packing our <laughs> yeah. bags <laughs> yeah yeah the lord said so submit woman no that is okay. a word yeah, <laughs> yeah. well shane yeah. we've come to our very last question here it is if you could tell a group of college pastor, pastors and young adult ministry leaders one thing, what would you leave them with today? Yeah, you may be the next generation, but you are the church of today. And that's it. What I mean by next generation is that, and who knows, we're not guaranteed tomorrow, but on an average lifespan, you have a long, you know, you've been given a longer time to serve the Lord, to serve the kingdom, to serve the church, but don't sit and wait. Like, don't sit and wait. You are the church today get in the game today you have the great commission on your life today tell somebody about jesus today um i think a lot of times we're always saying you know when we're always calling the next generation the next generation the future of the church and that really does put something in their mind that i'm just going to sit and wait then i'm just going to hang out on the sidelines i'm going to wait and don't hear me wrong listen you you need to be discipled you need to be coached up you need to be mentored up don't feel like you got it all figured out but listen, get in the game today. Don't sit on the sidelines waiting your turn. Get in the game today. Yeah. That's great. I love it. That's a word. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> I love the song, put me in coach. I'm ready to play. Yeah. Playing baseball. Yeah. I just love that. Yeah. I feel like what yeah. you did is you just said from the words of a coach, like yeah. suit up yeah. get in the game mm -hmm. and let's yeah. do this. And so Shane, thanks so much yeah. for investing in our audience today. Um, Listeners, you can find out more about Pastor Shane Pruitt, the NAMB, and Nine Common Lies Christians Believe when you connect with us on our website at Young Adults Today, as well as across social media platforms, is just at youngadults.today. Until next time, this is Josiah and Micah Keneally with Shane Pruitt. Yep, signing off. <laughs> All right. Bye, y'all. Thanks. Thank you Thanks, so man. much. Appreciate it. Oh, y'all are awesome. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Right now. Me. I'm getting judged up right now, yeah.